Before we begin, I wanted to give a huge shout out to the folks at Amazon Music for partnering with us on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. But more on this later. Right then, let's get right into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast where we have Mr. Shocked, Mr. Excited and Mr. Anxious on the show. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the voice of the MotoGP Indian Grand Prix and also of the Indian Supercross Racing League. I am Mr. Anxious because I don't know how Luis de Ferrari is going to work out. I'll introduce you to Mr. Excited, Kunal Shah. He is the former marketing head of the Force India Formula 1 team and can we call you Lewis Hamilton fan, Kunal? Come on, now is the time. Well, you can, yeah. This time around, definitely you can because I'm excited with what Lewis is going to do at Ferrari. And we have Mr. Shock, the num- the guy whose numbers normally shock the entire world, F1 stats guru, the man who's been the official statistician of the Indian Racing League, but also more importantly, has written for platforms like Autosport, Motorsport.com, and also is a part of the WTF1 talent network. Mr. Shock, does that explain it well, Sundaram? Doesn't explain it better. I'm absolutely shocked about this move and also very, very excited to see what goes down next year. Okay then, let's get right into it. Why has Hamilton moved to Ferrari? Let's listen in on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. Guys, mentally, has it sunk in yet? Straight up. It hasn't for me. I, just, that, just that copyright image of, just that Photoshop image rather I'd say, of Hamilton in a Ferrari suit has got me tripping over my words. Has it sunk in yet, Kunal? I still don't believe it. Yeah, well, for me, I was like at some point sort of expecting something to happen because the Hamilton Mercedes story hasn't really gone the way it is. So I'm not really surprised. Definitely sunk in overnight for me. Come on. I mean, it's just, it's not right, Sundaram. It's just, it's, uh, how do you, it's, it's, it's it's definitely not right in my opinion, at least. If if Kunal expected that to happen at some point, I definitely didn't. I thought this was all rumors just to keep the winter break and the off season a little spicy. But when things really started ramping up yesterday, I'm like, wow, this is happening. And 12 hours after the announcement, I, I woke up and that's the first thing I thought of in the morning. Is he actually going to Ferrari? And it's still not sunken for me. It's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, I met 15 friends yesterday. Uh, Good. Uh, it's great to meet friends. But normally we talk about random things in life, about public transport, about cricket, about politics, something or the other. All 15 friends, none of who, by the way, watch Formula One, had only one question in mind. Why has Hamilton gone to Ferrari? Let's get right into it, guys. Why has Lewis Hamilton gone to Ferrari? And I have an opinion on this. Lewis Hamilton, you're what, 35 odd years old. You've won everything there is to win. Seven world championships, over 100 Grand Prix. You have all the money in the world. $50 million a year through the series. So much else to sponsorship. What do you do now? You still are in the age to drive a race car. Where do you go? To the team that got you dreaming about the sport in the first place. You go out there to achieve your passions and to follow your dreams. You go to Ferrari. And in the process, there's surely got to be lots of money-making as well, right, Kunal? I mean, he's now in the stage where he's got nothing to prove. Might as well just check off those little uh, bucket list things that you do in life, no? 
Yeah, it is. It is definitely a big money move. But I, you know, of course, as you mentioned, it's the money is not the motivation after all the money that he's made for so many years of being in in the limelight in Formula One. To my mind, the move is for two reasons. First is ambitions and aspirations. He clearly has not been convinced by Mercedes's long term plans. And that's why he said, if I'm anywhere going to be beaten by Max Verstappen, it doesn't matter what car I'm driving. I'm going to try and drive a different car and see if something else works elsewhere. And it just so happens to be Ferrari at this moment. And then, of course, Ferrari being Ferrari itself. But I also believe there's another reason for this move, which is for brand Lewis Hamilton. This is not sporting, but this is down to the last two years, Max Verstappen's dominance has literally taken the conversation away from Lewis Hamilton. By Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari, that's a way of bringing himself, his brand back in the limelight, in the conversations. And that's what's happened in the last 24 hours since this rumor. Imagine this, everyone is now not bothered about how much Max is going to win in 2024, but everyone's looking forward to the first time Lewis actually appears in Ferrari overalls. First time he drives a lap, first time he does something else with that Ferrari. So people are literally just saying, can we forget 24? Can we go to 25? Why? Because it's Lewis in Ferrari and the conversations are back in Lewis Hamilton's camp. And that, I think, ladies and gentlemen, is also one of the big reasons why Lewis chose to make this move. But, I mean, Sundaram, imagine how romantic Ferrari becomes again. It's just, it's wrong, but this is beautiful in a way. Imagine the posters, imagine the ads, imagine the first time Hamilton makes a mistake with Ferrari or Ferrari bottles his strategy the first time. Even that will be a beautiful, lovely moment, right? <laughs> it absolutely will. And and that's the thing. I was amazed at, at the way the internet went crazy yesterday. And, and for sure, you have people of different loyalties supporting different drivers in different teams. But I sensed that everyone was excited about this. Everyone was looking forward to this. And me being a self-proclaimed Fernando Alonso fan, I myself am excited to see Lewis Hamilton climb into that Ferrari and take his first laps in that car. It just makes the whole fan base love the sport, love the partnership. And in my opinion, Lewis Hamilton didn't have to do this at all. He could have just stayed with Mercedes, a team or a brand that he's been associated with for 25 years. He's never driven any F1 car apart uh, without a Mercedes engine. At the age of 40 next year, he wants to step into a Ferrari engine, a new environment, a new team, new people around him. And he wants to take on that challenge. He doesn't have to do that, but he wants to do that. And that's incredible, in my opinion. It is. And, you know, to, to, to me, exactly that is the excitement. Maybe he's just realizing that he needs, he's still at the peak of his driving, as we've seen in 2023. And he realizes he needs to mix it up. He needs to get excited by a new challenge. He needs to get excited with the fact that he's going to try and bring Ferrari to winning ways again. Lots have tried. Almost all of them have failed, except for Michael Schumacher. Could he be the one who goes and brings Ferrari to their winning ways and get that one extra title over Michael as well? Because he's not just, uh, you know, he's not just sort of believing in Ferrari for 25, but also over the new regulatory period that starts in 2026, the new power unit that will be built then, the new aero regulations that will, will come in as well. So it's a lot about the belief that he also has in Ferrari. This also means... That Lewis Hamilton is here to stay for the next several years 
in Formula One, which personally speaking, given his driving talent, I'm super glad. I mean, I would love to see him continue just the way, you know, we want, for example, and this is not about Fernando Alonso anymore, at least not this episode, just the way we want to see how Fernando continues into his 40s and drives. Similarly, how does, how, how better will Lewis get as he gets into his 40s, as he now sort of gets into his Ferrari mode, which I'm pretty sure he's thinking, you guys spoke of the first race, the first mistake, the first strategy. I'm sure you all remember the first time Lewis went from McLaren to Mercedes and he pitted. He actually drove into the McLaren pit box. And then the McLaren mechanics were like, no, no, go, go, go. It's the other one. And then he finally drove into the Mercedes pit box. I'd love to see something like that happen just for old time's sake. And you're actually right. I think since Mercedes is second in the championship and Ferrari is third. So I think Mercedes' pit box comes before Ferrari yeah. in the pit lane as well. Uh, but, but, but the other point is, usually Ferrari is not a place where you would retire at. I mean, unlike, unless you're talking about someone like a Giancarlo Physical or someone. But if you look at the prominent names, even a Michael Schumacher was, was pushed out. A Kimi Raikkonen or a Sebastian Vettel. Ferrari is usually not a place for older drivers and Ferrari is usually not a place to retire. And if, if I actually went and checked this, the last time a prominent name retired at Ferrari was Mario Andretti, someone who's been in the news of lately. On a one-off, uh, actually two races back in 1982 uh, since Didier Pironi was, was injured. And the one before that was Jody Schechter. These were the last two drivers who ended their careers with with Ferrari and it's it's incredible that Ferrari are trusting someone at the age of 40 but it's not the same Ferrari anymore they they kind of have to let's talk a little bit about why would Ferrari push out Carlos Sainz to get Lewis Hamilton I mean Carlos Sainz is the hot property that almost every single team would snap up instantly so why do you push him out what's the whole deal here and rather also firstly how do you push him out how can Lewis Hamilton get out of a Mercedes contract that was meant to go beyond 2025 to actually get in there. That's where a release clause comes in, does it not, Kunal? Where the team would have come to a certain settlement where Hamilton would only get a certain part of his salary to be able to leave a Ferrari or maybe there might be some sort that Ferrari might have to pay to get Lewis Hamilton out. What sort of a deal do you reckon might have happened over there? Because normally in football, at least, the teams that want to get the player, or in this case, the driver, would pay the release clause to free the other person from their contract and then sign them on to a new deal. Is that similar to how it works in Formula 1 then? Not not entirely. I don't think this is so much about the payments. I think this is all about uh, the number of points that Mercedes would have scored uh, within the you know within the period of the release clause. So give you an example. The last two years, Mercedes has scored one win, right? And they have never won the world championship with either the driver or or the team constructors championship. So that in autom- automation would have been a part of a release clause that from the driver who's won, in this case, Max Verstappen, how many percentage points are you away from them? Or the team that's won, how many percentage points are you away from them? And so on. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a simple, uh, at the same time, complex uh, web of, uh, you know, formulae that come into play. And I think it's purely down to performance. And if you actually don't perform, and you being in this case, it's the team Mercedes, then as a driver, I am allowed to move elsewhere without having reneged on a contract, if you get what I'm saying. So it was purely down to Mercedes's performance that Lewis was able to turn around and say, yes, despite having signed an extension just five or six months ago, I am now choosing to move away 
and go elsewhere. And that's what this release clause is. And I'm glad we're asking the question because everyone has been talking release clause, release clause, but it's really important to understand what that release clause is. Every team has it. Every driver has it. The last time a team sort of may, may have used this was in the case of Daniel Ricciardo, where he was way off Lando Norris as well, if you guys remember. So teams use yeah. it. This time is a classic case of a driver using it to, sh- to jump ship. But then Carlos signs. I mean, I feel for him because you guys know I am the biggest Carlos Sainz fan. I predict him to win every single race. My heart was broken. And as always, in classic fashion, whenever anything Formula One comes up, be it a race, be it a breaking news like Hamilton joining Ferrari or anything whatsoever, the last thought in the world always has to be, guess who? Carlos Sainz. Again, Ferrari have treated him like uh, a stepchild in a way. But it's kind of funny, you know, because Ferrari could have actually chosen Leclerc to be the one sacrificed for Lewis. But they chose Sainz. I know Leclerc had a contract beyond 25, but still Lewis did as well. So that doesn't matter. You can really change them around. Why did they go for Sainz over... uh, I mean, why did they go for Sainz to be left out of the team instead of Leclerc? Clearly, they have a favourite. Even though Leclerc is kind of like the clumsy kid who always ends up making the mistakes, is always a little dirty, a little shabby, more emotional, more romantic. Ferrari love him a lot more than their second more intelligent kid who is constantly doing everything right, constantly getting better, constantly getting sharper. But even then, when they have to make a choice, they'll go for the clumsy kid. That's what they've done with Leclerc. They clearly are so emotionally and romantically biased. You can tell. But where next for Carlos Sainz, guys? I mean, this really Sundaram leaves him with so little options. You could either firstly hope that the Audi project comes along and wants you, which I think they would want him. Or you kind of hope that something comes along at Red Bull. But if that does happen, I think Carlos Sainz is in such a desperate state. He has to do anything to win. I don't think he can spend any more time Langering around in a midfield team. If Red Bull comes calling, even though he has to be a second driver, take a pay cut, I think Carlos Sainz is going and fast. Oh, absolutely. And um, I feel Carlos is a little hard done by all of this. But the fact is that when Lewis Hamilton is on the market, you can't say no, <laughs> just like you can't say no to a Ferrari drive. And then that's why this all of this has happened. And in, in, in Carlos Sainz's, uh, I mean, in that respect, He's 29. By the time he leaves Ferrari, he's going to be 30. And this is ideally when you're at the peak of your career. He's winning races. He's, he was the only one to win a race for Ferrari uh, last year or the only non-Red Bull driver to win a race last year. So he's obviously want to, he's going to want to win more and more. Is he going to go back to a stake or is he going to go back to an Audi that probably might end up doing well in 26 or 27? I feel perhaps not because now the dynamics has changed now that Hamilton and Leclerc are going to be partnering next year. I think they're going to be forces to reckon with for the Constructors' Championship next year already. This might force Red Bull's hand to look at a more competitive number two. I think they might not go for Daniel Ricciardo. I think they might be knocking at Carlos Sainz's door. And I think if that goes through, I think Sainz is going to take up that seat. Even if he is a number two driver, I think he's going to take up that seat. And you very interestingly, Samuel, you asked... Why Carlos Sainz and not Charles Leclerc, right? As the scapegoat to get Lewis Hamilton in. Clearly, you know, Charles Leclerc is by far one of the greatest of all times when it comes to single lap pace, right? They've proved that. And 
if you were to ask anyone, maybe just not yourself, because you're a big Carlos Sainz fan yourself. I remember badly, every race last badly. year, you were like, Carlos Sainz <laughs> is going to win. And then he finally won in Singapore. But, uh, but uh, you know, the, the, the truth be told here in this case as well, Hamilton, Leclerc, probably already Ferrari has the best pairing for 2025, right? Also, the first time since the last time they had, right? So when they had Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, Ferrari for the first time in history didn't have a world champion driver and mm-hmm. one of the youngest pairings in history. So they they may have recognized along with Frederick Vasseur now at the helm and so on, that we need a world champion. We need somebody with, uh, you know, experience with that work ethic that comes in, not to say Carlos Sainz didn't have work ethic or Charles Leclerc don't, but just Lewis bringing in his world championship mentality, his processes, and so on. And that's what they're, of course, needing Hamilton for. And for Carlos Sainz, I just have one real statement, which is with a seat available at Red Bull and a seat available at Mercedes, if he doesn't get into one of those seats, it would be a shame for what that guy has actually shown against a Charles Leclerc in Ferrari. Let's remember that he has not been comprehensively outdriven or beaten by Charles Leclerc. He's been the intelligent driver, and I really hope Ferrari doesn't relegate him to a seat on that pit wall just because they need him there as well. That's such a good point. That is such a good point. With Carlos Sainz, it's almost like the teams will die to get him. It's just a question of where. And let's start with talking about Mercedes. So, if you're Mercedes... A driver who's won literally everything with you is now gone. You have one team leader. You have a George Russell. But what type of driver do you need for your second driver? Normally, if you're looking at Ferrari, they needed an alpha. They needed an A-lister. If you're looking at Red Bull, they need a good support number two driver. With Mercedes, they already had two alphas fighting each other, going head to head, almost coming to the point where they would kill each other. So what do you need right now? Do you need a driver to pacify the situation? Do you need a Valtteri Bottas type? I don't think you do because now is the stage where Mercedes actually isn't fighting for championships. They need someone to score as many points as they possibly can. Where will they look? I think Carlos Sainz would be such a smart option. But hear me out though. Alex Albon. If they can get him out of Williams and build a car around him. I mean, that guy is finally getting into the zone. Is he tough enough to handle the pressure of Mercedes and compete against Russell? Probably now he is. But that one move, that would really, really excite me. Not so much so me, because... No? uh, Yeah, you know, frankly, Mercedes is in a bit of a soup. They don't have a car that's working. And their second driver, I'm not saying number two, I'm saying second. George Russell didn't really have one of the best seasons in 2023 as well. So they've suddenly lost their one big driver. They've lost, you know, can you imagine that zero-part concept has cost them so much more than they ever imagined. It's cost them Lewis Hamilton, (laughs) literally, right? In, In my mind... I think I think they need an A-lister. Mercedes need. Let's remember oh. this racing. This racing team, Samuel, also needs to build into the brand Mercedes Benz. It, it it is Lewis Hamilton and his ability to go on a car poster and be able to sell that car. They need somebody like that, right? That's typically how Formula One teams have signed drivers as well. Charles Leclerc's commercial abilities as well were one of the reasons and the looks and whatever the personalities he brought in, why they 
why Ferrari chose to go behind him, even though he wasn't and he still isn't a world champion. In Mercedes' case, I would love for them to defy this conventional signing tactic and get somebody like an Albin. Could they give Andrea Kimi Antonelli another season, no, his first season in F2 and wait it out till then? Could they go to Fernando Alonso? Could they go to you know Carlos Sainz? But in my mind, they have they have a world champion they can sign. They have a world champion who Toto Wolff said we would have had him in the car had we got space. <laughs> and that is Sebastian Vettel. They can bring him back. He's German. They can bring him back. He has the same statesman-like abilities, same ethic, maybe better ethic, better processes, better mentality than Lewis Hamilton, if we remember him from before. <laughs> this would be a lot like the plot of Driven, no? To kind of help your new young gun who's really just getting over there, you hire a former world champion. Sebastian Vettel as Sylvester Stallone. Are we going to see George Russell and Vettel racing down the streets of Miami without helmets now, Sundaram? Oh, I would love to see that happening. I would love to see that happening. And which, which kind of just brings me to my logical choice because... I, I would think that someone like an Alex Albon would come into that team. He's doing really well. And Williams via James Vowles also have ties with Toto mm-hmm. Wolff and Mercedes. So that seems like a logical choice for me. But like Kunal says, that's not how these teams work. That's not how brands work. And Mercedes needs something to kind of peg things back in their favor. Even not by a lot, obviously, but I think Sebastian Vettel is that person. I would love to see, and this is where my illogical or lesser likely choice comes in, which is I would love to see a Fernando Alonso. He is an <laughs> A-lister. He knows. <laughs> I, 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 I had to put it in. I had to bring that in. But I think that's also an option. But I think bringing in Sebastian Vettel, a German, I think it fits right well. It fits very well in that Mercedes uh, structure. It does. And, you know, uh, interestingly, I think this is going to be another Schumacher versus Vettel for a seat, uh, for a vacant seat. Because Mick Schumacher, nobody's talking about him. Mick Schumacher is available as well. And, you know, the way Toto Wolf has been promoting Mick Schumacher last season for a seat elsewhere, this seat specifically being at Williams, let's see if he walks the talk and now puts Mick in a seat available in Mercedes as well. And I think all of this, like I said, gets a little tougher for Mercedes given that George Russell's gone a bit all over the place in 2023. So what about Mick Schumacher, guys? That would be a brilliant comeback for him as well. Or what about the dream that started all the way back in 2016 and had so many chances of coming true but never quite did? Esteban Ocon, Toto, you're his manager. Get the man on the car. Finally, do something. If you really believe in him, which is what you say you do, now is the time to back your words, maybe get him or another driver who was promised a Mercedes drive quite a while ago, but never quite got in there. Roman Grosjean, <laughs> you have a due pending with Mercedes. Get it cleared, my friend. Now is the time. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's finally also talk about the dynamics within Ferrari. Two alphas in the team. We obviously before we go to Ferrari, just just one comment that came to my mind. One sure. of the things that one of the things that Mercedes also embraced fully was Lewis Hamilton's commitment to a lot of off-track issues. Remember the W thirteen, the W fourteen has been black, or at least the W fourteen was black. I don't so much so think about the W thirteen. They actually turned from silver arrows to black arrows to support Lewis Hamilton's BLM and all the other initiatives that are there. 
will they continue on that path even after lewis hamilton will they show that they are committed to those mm. causes even after lewis hamilton i would really really hope they do because it's got nothing to do with a driver and a personality it's got to do with the inherent thinking and the the approach that the team has but that's all about mercedes a lot of excitement to see who mercedes eventually brings and how they sort of continue on the path that lewis has put them on hang on you've opened a you've opened a can of worms can you imagine uh, uh, will ferrari back this up will ferrari tolerate the statements because it's now kind of like uh, you go for the prettiest girl around right and she will have flaws she will end up saying things that you sometimes go like huh did you really say that did you really do that and ferrari will look at lewis and go do you really mean this buddy do you really want to party until that long at night do you really want to be around those sort of people and say those sort of things that will probably not fit in well to the conservative italian mindset i know for a fact that they have signed him on but on the board meetings there's going to be some head bashing about what is this guy what is he doing what is he saying what do we do with him what in a half years and wait till how the board actually behaves with him it's going to be so much fun but sundaram uh where do we go to next we have a few really interesting stats about this move that we have to discuss before we actually start to discuss the dynamics within the team at ferrari so what are those numbers like what do the numbers say about hamilton moving to ferrari and i like i mentioned this earlier ferrari is not a place for you to be retiring or for the older drivers it really used to happen a lot during the 1950s and 60s because a lot of drivers started very late in their careers but the fact is that lewis hamilton when he debuts with ferrari next year that means he's going to be 40 years old and that's the oldest a driver has debuted for ferrari since juan manuel fangio in 1956 only the goats debut for ferrari <laughs> that late in wow. their careers <laughs> what a crazy crazy start and think about it now you have a goat in the team and you have your favorite prodigal 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 you have a favorite prodigal flawed child at home as well Prod- How do you manage the team? I, I I don't I know Fred Vasseur doesn't have favorites, but if he had two drivers who were the closest to his hearts, he finally has them now in his team. I, I kind of want to be him, but I don't want to be him, Kunal. I, I don't want to make that choice. It's too hard. How do you manage them? I'd love to be there. I mean, imagine leading Ferrari in in Formula One, having two of the best drivers you can literally talk of. But I I think. it's going to be fairly simple ferrari will stick to their known number one driver policy and whoever's ahead on track will get uh will get uh, the you know will get the preferential call that's what it'll be that's a that's something most teams use as well remember lewis has never really had a number one driver policy either at mercedes so that doesn't really change for lewis's case in this matter right but i i i think in 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 this case ferrari may not have at the best driver on the grid like i said which is max verstappen but they've got the best brand in lewis hamilton and this speaks testimony for ferrari i mean you know one of the other things why does ferrari want lewis hamilton because this is testimony for their brand guys we may not have won a driver's title in, since 2007 we've not won a constructors title since 2008 but we being ferrari are still the most Uh, historic and the legendary team of formula 1 so much so that even a driver like lewis hamilton who said no to us literally every year for the last 10 years finally said i'm going to race for y'all and that is testament to brand ferrari and i would say that's also testimony for frederick wasuer's leadership and what he's actually shown 
in the last one year at Ferrari. So after all of this, driver dynamics is pretty much just going to be getting it sorted on track. Whoever is up ahead gets the preferential call. That's, I think, what Ferrari are going to stick to doing. And that's a, that's a very interesting point that you mentioned, because if you look at the record charts, if you take a look at all the most successful drivers in F1 history, Ferrari has somehow managed to snap them at some point in their careers. Mm. Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, Alan Prost, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, Juan Manuel Fangio, the list just goes on and on. If Ayrton Senna was around, he would have also driven in that Ferrari. And, and that's what the Ferrari pull, the brand pull that Ferrari has. And that's that's incredible. Uh, but but coming to the whole dynamics bit, like I said, Lewis Hamilton didn't have to do this. He didn't have to go up, up against a Charles Leclerc. And this kind of probably helps answer the question which people have been putting up on social media. What if they had the same car? Who would be faster mm. over a single lap or in the race? And this can go this can go two ways for Lewis Hamilton. This could probably not obviously destroy his legacy, but dampen it to by a little at least, if he's not able to match Charles Leclerc. And in that sense, people will start looking at Leclerc more seriously. And if then Leclerc is not able to match up to Lewis Hamilton, people are really going to wonder. Does that multi-year contract up until 2029, <laughs> does it really make sense? Was he ever this good? So that's the thing. The focus shifts back to Ferrari and their drivers, how they do individually and collectively. And that's why this makes this, in my opinion, the biggest transfer in F1 history and the most exciting prospect in my in my opinion. That's, a, that's very well said. And you know, Lewis has already shown that he has had the run on Max Verstappen as good as anyone in different cars. He's shown that George Russell is not up to his caliber in the same car. For him to now, who's the, who's the other talent left? There's Lando Norris and then Charles Leclerc. So he's now going and taking on Charles Leclerc, which I think is pretty, pretty... Don't you count out my Oscar Piastri. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. I mean, count him out. He's so close to my heart. You, you don't say anything to him. You, I, I, I will take that as an insult. Okay, no, no fair enough. <laughs> I think Oscar Piastri has several years before uh, before he gets into the same car. But could Oscar Piastri? I mean, you know, imagine Zach Brown is listening into this episode, saying, "Oh my God, I'm so glad I've had both the McLaren drivers signed into the long term." But the truth is, both McLaren drivers, we've all been saying, potential world champions. Are they really going to win a world championship in that McLaren as a customer of Mercedes? Or will one of those two drivers actually be breaking contract and going to Mercedes in 2025? We've not discussed them just because we think that's a contract. Let's remember, a contract is only a piece of paper when you really want to renege on it. Okay, <laughs> But but this is, this is about Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton is still possibly in this space without having sing, driven a single lap of the W15 in 2024, he could still win the title in that Mercedes this year and then end up going to Ferrari next year. That is also a possibility which we are denying. Just because Lewis has said no, it doesn't mean that W15 is not going to be a good car, which is, of course, the puzzle. Why have they announced now, even though Lewis has not driven a single lap? The only reason is, when it's such a big move that's happening, when a decision is made, you announce it the minute it happens. It also happened with Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari. They announced it before even the start of the season that, hey, he's going to go after the end of the season. So all you know, all eyes on Lewis, how does he actually cope? How does he get himself motivated 
to still keep doing well at Mercedes before he ends up going to Ferrari next season. The big question on everyone's mind, will Lewis Hamilton be good at Ferrari instantly? No. If you listen to James Charles's incredible interview with High Performance, he mentioned how Lewis goes about his business. He'll always push the limits first, get to the limit at the very very end of the car and probably make some errors on the braking, probably crash out a couple of times, probably not have enough laps in free practice. But when he learns the limit of the car, he instantly gets so much better. Don't expect the first season with Ferrari to be good. He of course is a driver that brings in years and years of pedigree and experience and he will be able to tweak things around. but don't expect the first season to be great watch him develop with the car watch him watch them actually develop the car around him as well and maybe just maybe i know 2026 is a year of a revolution but that's probably the best possible time for him to win 2025 even the ferrari might be up there even if you lose hamilton learning a car and learning a new environment learning how to deal with new race engineers learning how to speak italian even though it might be half broken here or there that takes some doing Give him time. Don't pounce on the man. He's only human. He's only human. And here's a fantastic stat from F1 stats guru. If Lewis Hamilton wins a title with Ferrari, which is what we are all hoping for, right? He will become the only driver or only the first driver after Fangio to win a world championship with three or more teams. He would have won with McLaren, with Mercedes, and then with Ferrari that's the legacy that he is trying to build and go for the golden trilogy the only three drivers hey sundaram i'm not going to mention this you mentioned this come on don't be don't be lying right there in the chat <laughs> the the drivers to race with mercedes and ferrari if you just take a look at the list there's one manuel fangio there's michael schumacher and there's now lewis hamilton all the goats of formula 1 throughout eras all of them have driven for these two teams Not bad, not bad at all. But okay, last thing to close on. I know we're recording after so long. We just have to make a brief reference to it because there was pandemonium all the way through. I think we should specifically have some time for this as well. But Andretti, are we surprised? No. Are we annoyed? Yes, a lot. <laughs> If that, and not just me. Collectively, just look at our Twitter feeds, and you can tell all of us are pissed. Absolutely at this, and also Gutierrez leaving. Are we surprised? Yes. What has happened in the background? We have absolutely no clue because this is a kind of weird time to get someone off and also replace them with an internal hire. If you really, really wanted to change the culture of a team, you'd probably get someone from outside. So, what has gone down there? Is there a fight? Is there a quarrel? A quarrel that's probably ended. Gunther has said some stuff, but it's not substantial enough. We will discuss all of this and more with more depth. But, folks. If you've reached till this point, thank you so much, and we have a reward for you. Very, very soon, in a couple of days, we're going to have Otmar Safnauer, the man behind the Force India Formula One team, and also Alpine, on the show to talk about his Alpine journey, about why that didn't quite work out, and what were his regrets, and also what really happened in that period of time that led to Alpine being where they are, and also answering the big question. Why can Alpine not win a world championship, regardless of name changes, regardless of color changes, regardless of management changes or driver changes? What goes on there? Also, make sure you listen to the first part of that episode that's already live on the Inside Line F1 podcast right now. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Enjoy the celebrations. Buy your red Puma shirts. Let them make some money as well. And take care. We'll chat. Bye bye.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. Before we ended, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Amazon Music once again for partnering with us on this episode of the podcast.